You awake? Yeah. I just want you to know I hate you. So is my dad. Please go away. Let me sleep for the love of God! Why don't you tell me a story? How do you sleep at night? I don't want to hang out with a bunch of wannabe corporate sellouts. Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories is a podcast that exists to lay rest to the rumors and innuendos you've heard about your favorite bands and your favorite songs. My name is Brian. I'm Murdoch, and welcome to the show. Get involved by going to our website, wearethestoryguys.com. You can hear and read and download and find out about us and our other shows, like uh, the namesake of the website, Story Guys, a, a fake storytelling game show, plus Hypotheticals, a brand new show on the network. And we're working on new things, so stay in touch with us and send us an email at wearethestoryguys.com. What's on the docket today? for Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories, Mark. All right. Today, or tonight, depending on what time of day you're listening to this, I'm going to be tucking you in with a bedtime story about arguably, possibly, one of the most underrated frontmen ever in rock and roll. Arguably because I'm going to have to make that argument myself <laughs> this moment because other people may not make this I, argument. I was like, unless you're going to talk about Freddie Mercury, you may have to make the argument for us. Yeah, this is a defensible thing maybe um so sometimes you know with music rock and roll especially you know not only is image really important um i mean now now things are a lot different but image was always important but timing you know is a really important thing and having a record company just dump tons of money into promoting your record used to be really useful as well so sometimes you need those you needed those stars to align so how could one of the most infamous heavy metal bands ever who ended up taking on the PMRC, the Parents Music Resource Council, the Washington oh, wide Tipper Gore's Tipper Gore, the group of influential congresswomen, congressmen wives who spearheaded the implementation on warning and CDs and became the poster band of that entire thing. How did they not make it big? Basically, Shocking the establishment with their grotesque, ugly, overtly sexual presentation like Elvis before him. Prince shaking people's morality compass with songs that were not only just about sex, but they were kind of gross and a little bit violent. And the live show theatrics were like Alice Cooper, but with lots of raw meat and girls in torture racks. This is the rock and roll bedtime story about Blackie Lawless from the singer from Wasp. Blackie Lawless versus the PMRC Tipper Gore. Blackie Lawless versus God and really Blackie Lawless versus himself. Oh, man. This is a good one. So let me tell you what I know about Blackie Lawless and Wasp. And it's basically things you've already covered. I was going to say it's a couple of sentences. So go. Yeah. I know about Wasp in 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 its relation to the the parents resource music. Music Council or whatever they were called and, and Tipper Gord. I remember when that was going down because I was just of the age where I was. What year was that? That's 1985, maybe. Okay, well, I would have been too young to actually know yeah. 
that, but I guess the the repercussions of that in the coming years is I was really starting to understand rock and roll and and be excited about it in the early '90s, starting to understand what that black box meant. You know, yeah. with the and it's so funny how that's changed, right? So for us, it was that little yeah. black box, the explicit content box, um, or the parental uh, warning. And now, uh, for my kids, and they really self-regulate on this, it's the E on Spotify. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, which is this, which right. is, I guess, the same thing to warn yeah. you what's coming. But it's it's so funny how that's changed. I don't know if they if I showed them a parental advisory sticker if they if it would really mean much to them. Yeah, but you almost just know about the output. And the effect of this band, like you didn't right. even really talk about Wasp. Yeah, like, well, and this is a, it's know, a great point. Your point is great, right? It's that here is a band that really was the kind of the, became the face of this. Yeah, it, it, to right. the detriment of anybody really understanding or knowing anything that they were doing outside of like, oh, I guess it was a, uh, I guess it was racy. Yeah. So, by the way, Stephen Edward Durrell is 64-year-old Blackie Lawless and is still performing, and we'll get into that oh, a little wow. bit later. Um, so, Richard, we're just going to start there, was born in Staten Island. He had a very unusual heritage for a wasp, a white Anglo-Saxon <laughs> Protestant, or yeah. a we are sexual perverts, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. what Watts stood for. Well, I was going to say, let's start with the yeah. name, right? Yeah. Because that was the thing, like, so that's what they they twisted it to mean, right? We are sexual perverts. Yeah. I don't think, yeah, I, it, think I realized that. But I remember also at the same time, and I tried to re- re- explain this to someone the other day because somebody said something random. Oh, someone was talking about, this is a weird tangent, but just bear with me for a second because it relates. So <laughs> a friend of mine teaches preschool kids and she said that she had a, a preschool kid mention to her his love of Pennywise, the the clown. Mm-hmm. And I I, sa- I, did, I actually stopped her and I said, I just want to make sure before you get very, very upset about the fact that this preschooler is watching Stephen King movies. Um there is a punk band called Pennywise. And until I was an adult, like over the age of 18, I had no idea that they were named after the clown and it, I just knew them as Pennywise. So there are sometimes these gaps, right? And so I, whenever I heard white Anglo-Saxon Protestant and saw it as wasp or somebody call somebody waspy, I always think of the band. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. You put those together. That's amazing. Okay. So, so, okay. Um, so Richard, he grew up with Irish, French ancestry, and his mother was one quarter Blackfoot Native American, which he's brought up before in interviews where people talk about his look and they ask him about like having cutting his hair or whatever. And he talks about his heritage and who he is. He was born into a fundamentalist background as a kid because he had this big Baptist upbringing. His father was a Sunday school superintendent and both of his grandfathers were deacons and preachers. Yeah, buddy. Me and Blackie Lawless. And just like yours truly, as a teenager, he thought all this was really weird and creepy and got interested in the occult. That's what happened to Blackie Lawless. Mm. So so Richard eventually, he he gets into like the occult for a couple of years and then realizes it's just kind of like, a you know, people in the occult are sitting around with a pentagram or praying just like people that go to a church are praying so what's really the difference so he 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 had to, he had a lot of thoughts about how 
the ex- what you know existence was. And so he you know, he he challenged interviewers. People asked him questions about you know their about what he did on stage. He he challenged people on that. He he wasn't just any guy. But before I get into all of that, okay. When he became Blackie Lawless, he had a short-lived stint as a member of one of the most influential rock and roll bands ever to come out of New York City of the 1970s. Brian, I'm going to give you three, uh, three. You get three picks if you can pick the band who Blackie Lawless was in, basically for like a tour in the 1970s. He filled in for somebody that was super famous. Um, did he fill in for Johnny Thunders? He, yeah, he, yeah, that's right. He was a member of the New York Dolls. Dang, that's amazing. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. And so then they break up, right? And so then he joined uh, Arthur Killer Kane's band. I don't know if you know do you, the bassist from the New York Dolls, Arthur Kane. Do you know anything about him in the documentary about him, Brian, and I, his religious background? I do not know anything about Arthur Kane. Okay, so it's called. He has it. There's a documentary, and it is a must-watch for everyone listening, including Brian, who has not seen this either. Fair, it's fair. called. It, it's called New York Doll, and oh, so we've talked about this. Maybe yeah. on Story Guys, we've talked about this. This yeah, is the, yeah, yeah. This is crazy. I do need yeah. to watch that. He he literally saw an ad in the paper about the Jesus Christ Church Latter Day Saints and right. became a Mormon. Right, right, and right. And the New York Dolls got back together and. And he and all the old ladies were pissed. Well, uh, well, no, they weren't. They weren't pissed. They were just kind of interested in that band (laughs) that Arthur was in. And but, you know, Buster Poindexter uh, made fun of him. There's a scene in the documentary. He's like, do you have to tithe? Do you have to tithe some of the money we're going to make? Like he's making fun of him. (laughs) Anyway, so so Blackie Lawless joins in a band with Killer Kane, which is totally interesting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. but anyway, so that's Blueprints of Dates. This is the late 70s. Blackie Lawless is 64 years old right now and is still playing rock and roll, okay? So he's always been like on the cusp of, of making big. In 76, he was in a band called Sister with a future bassist, a wasp, and a gentleman we have talked about in a previous episode named Frankie Carlton, Serafano, Ferrarino, whatever, Nikki Six. And then Whoa. eventually... Um, Chris Holmes, who's the very infamous guitar player in Wasp, who is the guitar player in The Decline of Western Civilization Part 2, who just drinks vodka while his mom watches him on the side of the swimming pool. He joins the band. So then Blackie leaves that band. He joins London with Nikki Six. Then London breaks up because Nikki joins a band called Motley Crue. So That's what, what you're like, telling me is that if you were able to run a camera through 70s or some of the biggest names of 70s rock and, and you were able to pause or freeze frame at almost any point you could probably find blackie somewhere in the background <laughs> like he was just in the right rooms but it never really hit for him in the same way yeah i mean and think about it like he was in a band with this guy who eventually became so big that they had a tour which was their final tour where they said they were never going to tour again and they signed a contract saying that which they had they they signed it in blood and then they broke the contract to have an, a, a stadium tour with with Def Leppard and Poison and then the coronavirus happened coincidence <laughs> Anyway, are you saying okay. the coronavirus didn't start in China? 
<laughs> Are you saying hey. it started on that contract because all of the sexually transmitted diseases that would have flowed into each other from a Motley Crew signed in blood contract created a mutated virus called the coronavirus? I uh-huh. I don't know why QAnon didn't find this one, but it seems like a it seems like something you could make a case out of. Yeah, maybe Q actually is Tommy Lee. <laughs> or Blackie Lawless. He's been in all the rooms. It could be, yeah. So my discovery of Wasp was like a lot of other Gen X-like metalheads my age. It was in the pages of Cream, of Metal Edge, of Rip, of Kerrang, of Hit Parader. And there were all these articles about this band called Wasp, and they had this song that had this cover with Blackie Lawless's crotch with a metal codpiece on it, and the song was called Animal Fuck Like a Beast. It was like hearing two live crew for the first time when I got it. Obviously, hip-hop may say a little more influential than Wasp in general, <laughs> nah. but discovering Wasp was totally weird. My stars, holy shit, profanity, my gosh, as a kid, freaking me out. And if you ever get a chance to listen to Wasp, it's like ACDC, Alice Cooper, Ozzy, um... But kind of gross. It is so funny that when you get things get built up for you, like as a kid, and you know that there was like a whole council of congressmen's wives that were fighting this, like legally, and then you hear it, and there's a bunch of cowbell. Like it's just, oh man, it's so yeah. good. It's so, so good. So, uh, you you get you buy you you buy the ticket, take the ride. It was like a cassette single, and you know what? Song kind of sucked. <laughs> like it wasn't even that good. The, the irony is, is that Blackie could write hooks. One of the, the first song that, that Brian played, Wild Child, it's actually like a great song. He ended up writing a song, too, that's called I Want to Be Somebody that couldn't be more trite and ridiculous. But my word, it was in season three of Cobra Kai during a karate training montage. <laughs> You know, see the influence. It, there is some influence there. They, they well, turns out. Yeah. So while other bands were going androgynous and wearing their girlfriend's clothes and makeup, um, Blackie went all Satan and gross <laughs> and overtly sexual. They looked like ugly cavemen. They were just like there is nothing like attractive about these just big hairy dudes. And but even then, there was something stereotypical and and spinal tap and as my daughter says cringy about wasp and it's none of this stuff is certainly age very well especially all these these early things right right uh so um Blackie has been definitely poked fun as being a controversial guy, but an astute businessman. I, I read in a couple of different articles where uh, Chris Holmes and one of the, I think the former bassist said, you know, when before they would get out of the studio, like Blackie had figured out how to make sure he had the songwriting, everything wrapped up, the publishing and the producer and engineering credits. He was a businessman, despite how 
ridiculous uh, and stereotypical and and awful and cliched Wasp was. Well, I mean, well, I mean he, cl- he clearly had an angle here, right? I mean, yeah, knowing that right. this is, you know, there are a couple of things to do, and he probably something you take from from in, from his earliest band. I mean, the New York Dolls, to a certain degree, no disrespect, right? They they employed some of these same tactics. The ridiculousness of what they were doing, um, and, and the ridiculousness of the presentation was more important than the music itself. And that's that's what I keep saying when I say like you hear these songs now and they sound so funny. And like even when you listen to like Two Live Crew, or you listen to even my cruise stuff like shout at the devil like it doesn't hold up in it's like ferocity right like in it's scariness because there's hooks and there's like melody and you know if you want to hear something scary listen to listen to a christian death metal band that's way scarier sounding <laughs> than it, anything coming out of blackie lawless all of that schlock of that crazy shock stuff was getting old in the 80s already because of how this sort of pop hair metal thing was kind of taking over in the late 80s and Wasp wasn't aging very well then at all. So um, when you know that you're having a big break and that's when your song Scream Until You Like It is in the movie Ghoulies 2, you probably want to make some new business decisions. So in 89, Wasp released this record called The Headless Children, which ironically... The Headless Children was the first Wasp record that my mom was shocked about. And it was because of the cover. The cover art was based on this cartoon called Gateway to Stalingrad. It's a cartoon by a gentleman named Daniel Fitzpatrick. And it has Stalin, Hitler, Mussolini, Manson, Jim uh, Jones, Al Capone, Ku Klux Klan, Ruby shooting Oswald. And it's just big, huge ass skull that they're kind of all going into. And also about this, this album too, has Frankie Benali from Quiet Ride on there, just as a random thing. They cover the real me by the who, but also uh, instead of like these kind of cheesy songs, like this overtly sexual stuff, um, like Blackie started trying to tackle social issues and not in a terribly executed way it actually the record was actually you know critics kind of kind of liked it um so there even was a a a ballad on the record brian it was called forever free which apparently is a homage to freebird oh my god really Yeah, yeah. yeah that's true um hold on hold on this is this seems like something important enough to listen to Oh, I mean, I, I'm really excited you're going to play this. Just for this guitar at the beginning. <laughs> it sounds just like Freebird. I mean, it, it's hard to be scared by a band playing playing these notes. Right. So, okay. So after that, um, in 92, there's a record called The Crimson Idol, which actually critics really liked. And it was a, of course, a rock opera. 
Oh. Telling the story yes. of the rise and fall of a fictional rock star named Jonathan Steele. So for a second here, let's stop and and point out something that appears to be obvious considering they're covering them and then aping them. Was Wasp Blackie with big Who fans? Um no like he they also did a cover of uh I don't need no doctor like they did that. So wow. there, there was just there was just a, like a handful of covers that 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 was done that way. This band is Blackie. Blackie is the last um, original and you know member of this band, right? And he's a born again Christian. saw that coming the real me loves jesus guys yeah so the cover of it's actually really good which is which is kind of funny i mean it's a great song and i always say that when a a really well written piece of music from any genre like the bones hold up so you can move it in and it can become a metal song or it can become a rap song or whatever and like this is a great example of that because the real me is a i mean it is a jam yeah yeah and in this uh that ended up people um the headless children was a record uh, that had the real me on it like that ended up now is their best-selling record which is yeah but anyway so blackie um is now a born-again christian okay so so tell me walk me through this how do we get here yeah um he he did some soul searching and you know he basically was taking you know trying to look at his life and trying to see like where he'd come from and and what he was doing and it doesn't sound like the idea of Yahweh or praying or a higher power things would ever really went away and he you know if you hear him talk it's clear that like he kind of centers at the idea that he did some really weird crap you know, and some and some really awful things, throwing raw meat on stage and uh, and and taking a mannequin that and then taking the buzzsaw codpiece in his crotch and then ripping an embryo out of the mannequin, killing the embryo that comes Whoa. out of the man- he. And so his like hearing him talk about that, he's like. Like he doesn't play animal fuck like a beast anymore, right? And he that's said not, that that's not on the acoustic church basement tour. He, yeah. does, he doesn't do like so, a slightly altered version of that. But but you, when you hear him talking, and Brian, I'm, I'm I never was a Christian, and it's and so this is you will understand this more than I will. But he says that rather than feeling guilty or anything he's done about it, that because he knows that Jesus Christ is his savior, like he's atoned for everything that he's already done, that everything that, that he had done and he was confused and made those decisions. And, and it's just stuff that he doesn't want to think about. And this is his actual quote, quote about all those tunes that he won't play anymore. And this is a quote he said, which is Christ's blood cleanse us once and for all. So that said, I no longer do songs like that because scripture tells us to let no corrupt speech come from your mouth. And so that's why I won't do those sort of songs to offend people anymore. So what's last he play? year, what, what's he play? Um, he plays all the other ones, but except the ones talking about like aggressively, like, you know, 
having sex with women. <laughs> Just the ones that are violent. Um, last year, when little Richard passed away, which we talked about last year on the show, Blackie Lawless said that he actually knew little Richard because for a while he used to be in the Hyatt House on Sunset Boulevard when little Richard was there. And they both lived there at the same time. And they actually used to talk and hang out. And they never talked about music. What do you think that Blackie Lawless and Little Richard talked about? They talked about Jesus and they talked about God because that's something that they had in common. And and also, I've, I've sent you a link and it's something that we'll post for everyone to see. The audio on this is terrible, but you have to see the most ridiculous thing that I could find about this. I can't even believe it's a real thing. So Blackie will no longer play gigs in the United States. And the real reason why is that, well, like 100 people or 200 people come to see Wasp in the United States. But he can play festivals in Europe and get paid a lot more money and he can have he can sit on a festival thing with five ten thousand people coming to see wasp and so he has this mic stand kind of like john davis from corn had that mic stand that was the hr geiger like thing that was designed but this is a huge insane microphone stand that he sings in front of and total spinal tap if sometimes when people shoot video in the audience you actually can't see blackie because the mic stands in the way and you can't see him singing he also rides the microphone stand this is absolutely bonkers what in the world yeah we're gonna post this thing that brian's watching i told please do not use the audio because it is awful (laughs) i can't even believe this is a thing so i've got a video of blackie lawless riding this this microphone stand he's created so other than no one wanting to come see wasp in the united states the other reason blackie doesn't want to play play in the united states is he cannot get this damn microphone sometimes through the loading dock or onto the stage or under the lighting rig it's so tall I think European venues just bigger. Like I don't understand why, why does well, it work over festivals. there? Like he doesn't, he doesn't oh, have he to just, play in like little clubs. Got it, got it, got it. Because he would have to play yeah. smaller venues. I got it. Yeah. So at times, like this insane cringiness, this unbelievable stereotype, these ugly, hairy cavemen, metalhead guys, and these awful theatrics. It's it's so Spinal Tap. The number of lineup changes. Good luck, man. It's not even worth looking at. It's he's the only one that's left. But despite all that, if you go down a YouTube spiral, which can definitely happen here in the pandemic, you'll find that Blackie Lawless is a very well well read, intelligent guy who challenges interviewers, who challenge him on the things that he he does, and he talks about he talks about the fans in a very like emotional charismatic way now obviously you can take a couple steps back and say well that's just more of this spinal tap well i mean really is it i mean he's taken really unpopular political stances for a political political guy to i mean for a metal guy like you know but say what you say He's this unsung hero of one of the silliest metal bands that ever existed. He was from a fundamentalist household, touring the country with women in torture racks, and now he goes to church. (laughs) And he's 64 years old. And if you see videos of him, because it's Wasp, it's really Blackie Lawless now, he still has the pipes. 
he can sing better than any rock and roll star that's in their 60s. Like Springsteen, any like Blackie Lawless, he sounds exactly like the young guy. Um, unfortunately, it, for some people, he's singing, you know. I want to be somebody, be somebody too. (laughs) All right. So let's talk a little bit about the PMRC. Uh, I I mean, this this whole thing is is really interesting. And I think it's an interesting thing to look back on in 2021, because in some ways, you know, we're a more liberal society, right? But in other ways, we've really relegated language even more so in in different ways, right? I feel like in the 80s uh, uh, and early 90s, we were very concerned about words and and references and such. But now there's a lot more of a th- of thoughtfulness around how you refer to people and sensitivity around, um, you, you know, uh, racial differences. And I mean, there's just so much in the way, like, you know, comedians, the sorts of jokes they tell and that sort of thing, right? But in 1985, they formed this actual committee. Uh, Tipper Gore, Susan Baker, uh, Pam Hauer, Sally Nevius, and there's, what, 22 of them, I guess? And and they run for almost 10 years. (laughs) And do you know the, the Filthy 15? Like, how many of the Filthy 15 can you name? I unfortunately have all of them right here. Um, and so, so I was t- going to t- try to find a Spotify playlist of them, but I'm I can't do it anyway. Be- I can't believe that there uh, there has to be one already. Will, will yeah. you will you explain what the Filthy 15 are and then read the list? Yeah. So uh, She Bop by Cindy Lauper is about masturbation. Uh, Possessed by Venom is about the occult. The unbelievably Hold My Pearls. Mary Jane Girl singing In My House is about sex, <laughs> Black Sabbath trashed, drug and alcohol use. Somehow they miss Snowblind, which is about Coke. <laughs> anyway, uh, Into the, Co- the Coven by Merciful Fate, High and Dry by Def Leppard, some band called Wasp, Dress You Up by Madonna. Oh, my dear, We're Not Gonna Take It by Twisted Sister. More on that in a minute. Let Me Put My Love Into You by ACDC. That one's right there. Bastard by Motley Crue. Strap On Robbie Baby by Vanity. (laughs) That's one I got to get more uh, acquainted (laughs) with. with. Eat Me Alive by Judas Priest, where I my mom asked me what was awful about that song. And I said, it says I'm going to force you at gunpoint to eat me alive. Oh, my God. And didn't know that 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 was really that offensive. Sugar Walls by Sheena Easton. Much props. And then Darling Nikki. Right. Right. And and so uh, I, I watched the hearings because that's a bit of big of a rock and roll nerd I was then. And uh it's either Tipper Gore or James Baker's wife asked uh, D. Snyder what the SMF fan club was called. And he said, it's the sick motherfucking fans of Twisted Sister fan club. Just that's how Straight he answered up. it. 
Yeah. Well, and it's an interesting list to look at because some of these bands, you know, kind of the point to the point of this whole uh, conversation we're having around Blackie, some of these bands have held up in history a little better than others. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've never spent a lot of time with the Mary Jane girls or or yeah. Venom or Vanity. Um, you know, Sheena Easton, Sugar Walls, on the other hand, though, a huge hit that still gets played. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah. She Bought by Cindy Lauper, still kind of in, you know, in back catalog rotation on a lot of adult contemporary radio stations. So, you know, it, it, it's just so interesting to me that this was became such an obsession and you know i guess the point was to warn people was that really kind of the thought here it was like we need to create this council of folks who can we're not limiting their speech but we feel like parents need to know what's coming into their house you know i don't know like as a kid i remember thinking like these were like you know bad people these politician wives like i I don't know like i never really kind of got over it like i never like thought about it differently john denver spoke at the hearing okay okay yeah let's just talk about how great this is so (laughs) the, the defense brings a cost to the stand john denver and i don't want to make fun of a guy who's no longer alive but like when i think of controversial music i do not think of take me home country road so obviously that was the idea right let's bring this guy in Um, no it's it's rocky mountain high like but but he didn't but he chose he he wanted to speak because he found that this to be total censorship and censoring art and that misinterpreting music and compared all of this to Nazi book burnings and, and said the idea to put a sticker on a record because of people's objective opinion about profanity. And I remember this very specifically when you turn on TV and people like 20,000 people are chanting the Blue Jays suck is ludicrous. Like he actually said that. And I was just so impressed because, I, you know, it's John Denver. I didn't know that he cared about stuff like this, but you got to learn like this to me seemed like a grand opportunity for wasp to be the biggest band in the world and they kind of blew it well yeah i mean twisted sister way bigger than and we're not going to take it like that still gets played at like baseball games and stuff like you know like obviously a little easier to chant that than um the hook of the wasp song we played earlier that was uh on the filthy 15 not still now not really something you're allowed to yell in public um but you should should try it so have have you ever heard this whole thing about frank zappa and his 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 opening statement right What, what was his thing about the prmc and what he thought it was a front for because he says this in his opening statement. It was the uh, to put the blank, uh, the, the tax for like the blank tape on the other side of the tape. It was something what like is, that. What's the blank tape tax? Yeah. What, what yeah. is that? Um, the blank tape tax was, it, it was like, <laughs> it was like a scheme where there was a tax where any like recordable media could be be taxed on so it was just i remember like not understanding it like very much as a kid but it it kind of was a way to get money for file sharing like but before there really was Uh, file sharing but i i the reason that i pieced it all together and understood a little bit more about what this law meant and what 
people were angry about was I bought a Dead Kennedys CD when I was younger. And on the other side of it, it said this side of this cassette has been made, made blank on purpose for you to record whatever you want to as many times as you want to. And I had to figure out what that was about. It was about this. So oh. the government was trying to to find a way to you know to to tax people on doing and, and you know man I, I didn't download songs from napster like my my views on lots of things are a little skewed about stuff like so you know i i kind of understand a little bit of it like i might be a little on the wrong side of all this but um you know musicians don't get paid enough money so it's it's a tricky thing you know um but listen these guys have nothing on Blackie Lawless. I'm just telling you. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody on that list is doing it still except Blackie Lawless. What's the uh, what's your favorite musical reaction from the uh, from the PRM, PMRC? Um, do you prefer NoFX's "The PMRC Can Suck on This" EP, or do you like um, the, uh, the what Danzig did? Um. There's a, I think there's a Wasp song. I thought, but I can't remember. Um, I do like the No Effects song. I guess, yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, or um, Ice T's 1989 Iceberg Freedom of Speech. Just watch what you say. Where uh, he actually attacks Tipper Gore. Yo, Tip, what's the matter? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> No, but if but if you do think about it, she put herself out there and she became a very vilified person. Very much so. I mean, this is still sticking to her all this time later, right? Yeah, that and her really square husband. <laughs> wow. All right, man. I feel like you've done a service to Blackie Lawless and to Wasp fans everywhere. And we now understand the P, the, the is it the PMRC? It's the PMRC. Yeah. The That's PMRC right. a little more uh, than I ever had before. I totally had kind of forgotten about that whole thing. I'm glad you brought that up. I've always I've always wanted to know a little bit more about that and about the ridiculousness that is uh, Blackie Lawless and the in the guys in white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. That's right. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. If you want to get involved with the show, if you have a comment about this, um, you know, please uh, send us a parental advisory in the subject line if you're going to talk about that. No, I'm kidding. Um, but make sure that you uh, get involved at wearethestoryguys at gmail.com. Wearethestoryguys.com is the website. And uh, what should people keep doing until next time, Mark? Keep listening to Wasp. No, keep telling stories. Hey, well, you can listening to Wasp. Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories is a Story Guys production. The show is produced and edited by Brian Eichenberger. Get more stories, hear more podcasts, and book the guys for your conference or house party at wearethestoryguys.com. All rights reserved. <laughs>